This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Court, if we had started recording this 15 minutes earlier, you might have hear me, heard me chomping down on a delicious salmon Caesar salad that I picked up in the refrigerated section at Zupan's. An excellent value, nine bucks. Lots of great values around the store. Yeah, their prepared meals are pretty great. In fact, uh, one of my favorite things to do is take advantage of Zupan's when it's the holidays, and we've got some holidays going on, Chris. Yeah, we got uh, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah coming up uh, September 18th uh, to the 20th, Rosh Hashanah. And then right after that, Yom Kippur, get main dishes like red wine, braised brisket, cedar plank salmon, and chicken marbella. And one of my favorites is that lox tray that serves 12 to 15 people. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, you've got other things like bakery sweets, Dutch apple pie. You've got brunch items like fresh squeezed orange juice or a fresh fruit tray. If you go to zoopans.com right now, uh, right there on the front page, you can click in and see the full high holiday menu. It's pretty great. Yeah. And it's available September 15th to 28th. Give them 48 hours notice and you can just pick it up. Also, something that needs to be on your radar because it's been on, on our radar all summer long is the lobster and clam bake. And Chris, the final one is around the corner. We're talking about September 26th. It's something that uh, you, Chris, took advantage of the first time around. So, again, the final lobster and clam bake taking place September 26th. Get those orders in. This serves two. Uh, the items come ready to heat, and they're packaged in oven-safe containers. They make it super easy for you. And you've got the the cheese and car- charcuterie board in there. You've got, of course, your typical lobster and clam bake, which has the baby kale, roasted potatoes, steamed corn, clams, uh, wild Mexican shrimp, Olympia Provisions Kilbasa, and of course, this is all paired uh, very nicely with Lytle Barnett Vintage 2013 Blanc de Noir. So uh, get full details, as we mentioned, online at zoopans.com, or you know you can stop on by your local Zoopans and get more information. That includes West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. All right, time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson, both of us are still standing. You're, uh, are you at the studios of Kink? I'm actually in, yeah, I'm, I'm inside the building in one of our recording studios. I had to come in and uh, do a few errands today, drop off some donuts to a birthday boy. And here I am talking to you. Uh, and you're out at the coast. Yep, I'm out at the coast, and I can't. I'll tell you, I get. I don't mind being at the coast, especially with the air quality we have today, which is uh, we're recording this intro on Wednesday. What is it? The 16th. Yep. Yeah. So we have good air quality here, unlike you do. But I still can't wait to get back in the studio because one thing we found is with interviews with guests we have some technical problems on the connections which i think everyone's getting used to now on cable tv with sure. the talking heads they're going in and out um you know on television programs and so forth but i like the good old days when i could drive in sit down in that wonderful studio with you critique your anything your hat your hat your shirt whatever yeah. Um, and there's no reason to critique it. You always look great. But, Thanks. Um, I miss those days where there were really no technical glitches. And it was it seemed to be easier to book guests uh, 
when it was come into the studio and here's the day and here's how it works. Yeah. When I just think in general, and this goes for like a, an interview or or anything, when you can see somebody and look them in the eye and see face to face and you can see body behavior and positioning and all that stuff, you can kind of, it allows you to read the room to know kind of, you know, is this, is this question a good question for them? Are they uncomfortable with this question? And it goes even beyond this because like I'm watching my two daughters back in school and they're having these zoom classes and some, you know, some people have their cameras on, some people don't. And when you can't see people eye to eye, it just becomes, it's just a whole new world. Well, plus there's more focus, right? Yeah. When so we're in the studio and you've got a mic in front of you and that's it. Yeah. You have to pay uh, attention. Everyone's more focused. I mean, when you're at home, there are distractions. As a matter of fact, in this interview coming up, I just realized what it was, Court. Uh, you're going if if we keep it in, if we don't edit it, you, the UPS guy came and Kodak had a little problem with that. Oh. So in the middle of the interview, we got dogs barking that we wouldn't have in the studio. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but anyway, it's real life. And, you know, all bets are off now. Everything's changed a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm assuming our listeners are forgiving with those things. Um, and they've actually been very forgiving because, well, I don't know about forgiving, but they've been loyal. Uh, we've been running quite a few um, uh, repeats lately from our archives and our, our listener numbers are steady. No one's dropped off. Um, I can't say we've grown in the middle of this pandemic, but, um, you know, in the beginning, we were growing a lot, right? When we first started doing those right at the moment podcasts, talking to folks in the restaurant industry about how they were surviving this, the numbers went up and then they went down. People didn't, from what we could see, people were done with the, horror stories of being a restaurant owner in the midst of a pandemic. Right. Uh, so now in this interview, actually we're back with Jonathan Gill from ringside steakhouse, the executive chef there. We talk a little bit about how they're operating now uh, with new safety standards. Actually, we, we, we're, we talk quite a bit about it and what they're doing and some of the precautions they've taken and some of the things they had in place before this all started that made their setup uh, in the restaurant easier. Um, so, uh, and of course, full disclosure court, you want to take this part? Well, the full disclosure part is that uh, Ringside Steakhouse has been a longtime sponsor of this podcast. So, right. If, if you're a longtime listener, you, you know that. If you're new, Ringside Steakhouse has stepped up uh, for a bunch of years now and helped support this podca podcast so that we can uh, bring you these interviews. Right. And we're um, appreciative of that, but we're also proud of it because Ringside is one of the hallmark restaurants in Portland. They just celebrated their 75th year of the Petersons owning the restaurant last year. And so... Um, uh, I couldn't be any more proud as a uh, as a podcast. What are we broadcaster podcasters podcasters um, of having such great sponsors? You know, Ringside and Zupans have been with us for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've always said we couldn't have done better in terms of 
support in the uh, industry because it's always been my contention that it's wonderful to get behind those businesses that you believe in and you like as not only as businesses, but people. So uh, Craig and Jonathan have always been great to, uh, to us. So we're happy to have them do it. And, you know, in terms of um, talking to any restaurateur about the pandemic and coming out of it, I think Ringside is a great one because, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would, would want to hear what Ringside has done and follow them as an example because they've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's that. And then there's another one that I want to mention that uh, it, in the midst of all of this, you know, Portland Food Adventures, the thing I've been running for years, we've been doing events in Portland. And of course, we've been shut out of that for most of this year. Our last event was at Arden Wine Bar in, or I, our, our Arden Kitchen and bar is what is it yeah they keep changing the name but anyway in in february we haven't had an event since and all our trips this year that were planned for spain and italy that are now um available for 2021 in april and then september and october uh to with the folks from Urdaneta and also with uh Austria Ensign to Western Sicily in September of 2021. Those uh, are all available to book. But in the midst of all of this, I took a few trips with my girlfriend and we happened upon Halfway Oregon just by chance, really. I'd been there, I'd been through it before, but I never stayed. And we ended up staying at an Airbnb where Canyon Outfitters is headquartered. And we met Lynette and George Hauptman, uh, who've been running trips on the Snake River for over 35 years, somewhere between 35 and 40 and maybe even more. Uh, And they've also done guided trips to Australia. So when I read that in their information booklet when we were staying there, of course, there was some commonality and we entered into a conversation. I love those people. And what they do is kind of a very nice glamping experience on the Snake River. So in the process of all of this and the fact that I thought it would be kind of nice to diversify so Portland Food Adventures trips so we wouldn't need to get on a plane and there's all this beauty in Oregon and I'm starting to think of different things we can do in Oregon. Um, But this is a fantastic first um, crack, let's call it. Well, it's more than a crack because these people are experienced. We're going, we're taking Jonathan, whom you'll hear me interview in a moment, um, Jonathan Gill of Ringside on the Snake River with Canyon Outfitters on July 4th of 2021 for five days and four nights where ringside steaks will be featured on one of the nights on the river and all sorts of goodies that you can see on Portland Food Adventures website. I'm just, I just added it. So we're going to probably be revising it as we go, but the trip is available through Canyon Outfitters. And if one calls 541-742, 4110 and tells Lynette, I assume she's the one who's going to pick up the phone. She's got a beautiful Australian accent uh, that they that 
anybody's interested in our ringside trip July 4th, she will be happy to provide any verbal information. And of course, you can find the information on their website and our website about their trips, canyonoutfitters.com. Um, we'd love to have people join us. Jonathan is an outdoorsman, uh, and it, he was a perfect guy to ask to do this trip, especially since we have a relationship with the ringside and people were lined up a mile and a half down Burnside to pick up their steaks. Uh, we hope they're lined up in halfway Oregon to come with us, but we can only, we can only, we only have room for 12 or 14 people. So, um, so that's that, and that's July 4th of next year. So Jonathan and I will talk a little bit about that, but we'd surely like to have people join us on that trip. So it's bringing this podcast to life. You're about to hear an interview with uh, that where Jonathan and I were speaking. You can be with us. And I believe there might be some other ringside surprises happening, but we know now through this crazy 2020, anything can happen. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out there with some special things that ringside has in store for the trip, but uh, it's going to be special. Oh, by the way, uh, the, the cost of the trip is uh, $1,925. We got a hundred dollars for people who've been on our Portland food adventures trips with us before. And that price is good until the end of the year. So um, we'd like to fill that up and know that we're doing it as soon as possible. Anyway, Jonathan Gill, Court, do you feel like I I spoke way too long on that? No, I'm just saying that the, the, there was the wind-up, and I think we're coming to the pitch. Yeah, so the pitch is Jonathan Gill is the executive chef at Ringside Steakhouse. Before that, he was at Ringside Fish House. Um, and before that, he was at Flower and Water in San Francisco. As we'll talk about in the podcast, he had some great experience in uh, Japan cooking and learning the Japanese way. So he's very disciplined. Um, he enjoys cooking fish, which, by the way, we'll be able to catch on the river, too. That'll be kind of fun. Um, and uh, he's uh, running a pretty tight ship over at ringside now they're a uh, they're a seasoned um well-running machine and uh he's been doing that coming off of ringside 75th year so i enjoyed my talk with him uh pardon the dog if you hear it but kodak's kodak meant well he was just trying to let me know that uh a package isn't it interesting court that in the midst of this pandemic one of the things that excites us is that a pack package is on its way and it's coming to the door. And it breaks up the monotony of these days. <laughs> yeah, it's something to look forward yeah. to. Yep. So our trip's something to look forward to, all of our trips next year. But right now in the immediate future, you don't have to look forward to this interview anymore because it's happening right now. Right at the Fork is supported by... Zupan's Markets. Whether you're an expert chef or a connoisseur of great cuisine, Zupan's Markets has been the number one destination for the food and wine lovers of Portland and beyond for over 40 years. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego, or Zupan's.com. Ringside Steakhouse. It's time again to slice into the best steaks and service available in Portland. Seating is now available by reservation only for indoor and outdoor dining at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out the newly opened New England-style fish and ship spot with a Northwest personality, 
Rock Paper Fish, a partnership between the Peterson family and Portland icon Micah Camden in the old Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside for takeout only. And by Portland Food Adventures, Cabin Fever, book a fantastic culinary vacation in 2021 with podcast host Chris Angeles. Experience the best of Basque Country with Javier Canteras of Erdoneta or Western Sicily with Taste of Italy's Austri Enzyme. Whet your appetite and get more information at portlandfoodadventures.com or contact Red at the Four Coast Chris Angeles for more details. It's nice to actually have a chance to talk to you. We've been discussing this interview for a yes. while. Yes, we have. Yeah, so, um, and a few things have happened in the last few months with, since we first started it. It's been, you know, it's been your usual, you know, pandemics, uh, racial unrest, and now wildfires. Yeah, it's been quite the year. Uh, do you think we're going to get through this? Oh, I, I have no doubt that we'll, we'll get through it. Um, it'll probably change quite a few things in society and the way businesses run and, and all of that. But uh, yeah. I, I have no doubt that we'll get through it. Some, some, un, there will be some unfortunate casualties of, of this, you know, uh, pandemic, unfortunately, but... Um, quite a bit. And I think it's all been very challenging and we've certainly recognized all yeah. the changes that are going to be made. But I have to say, just knowing friends who are evacuating homes now yeah. for wildfires in Oregon, it, starts, it started, you know, the word apocalypse came to mind this morning. I mean, when is this going to end? No, I know. I was, up, uh, I was actually up towards Detroit Lake and everything that's on fire right now on Monday. And we got up there in the afternoon and it had looked like the end of the world was coming. And uh, got out of there and uh, came back in and saw that they'd shut everything down and told everybody to evacuate and not take the San Am Highway and head east instead of west. So it was uh, it was very uh, interesting to say the least. It's uh, yeah, we have been in the last two weeks. Um, uh, my girlfriend's uh, daughter and son-in-law have a place on Rainbow Lake, which is just off the San Am Highway, and mm -hmm. they're. They're, well, they're building cabins now. Their place is in jeopardy. And then we were just down at Tututon Lodge uh, last week and drove back on the Umqua uh, River. Yep. And that's all closed down now. So in the past two weeks, we've been places that are, now, that are now on uh, fire. It brings it, to, it brings it home when you've just been there. It so. does. It'll certainly make uh, the next visit there uh, a little bit different. Yeah, a lot. I think so. That that's a nice segue to say: Are there things that you appreciate now that six months ago you were perhaps taking for granted? Um, you know, uh, I've the the pandemic has allowed me to, like so many others, to spend uh, a lot more time with the uh, family, which is which is really nice. Um, you know, you never like to say you take your family for granted, but um, you know, as you know, you're juggling the demands of, of work and, and whatnot. Um, you don't always get to spend much time together. So we, we got to have a lot of, a lot of dinners together that we didn't always have, you know, with myself working and my wife working, you know, we'd be at opposite ends of the schedule. So getting that time to kind of reconnect and, and spend good time with each other was, uh, was really nice. I actually spent some time working on uh, my daughter's vehicle with her yesterday and uh, teaching her how to do some basic maintenance and, and whatnot. She just turned 16, so 
better a, a used car and said, well, you know, you don't, uh, you don't take a used car in to get work done. You learn to work on it yourself. Wow. So, I think I need that. I need to stop <laughs> by too, because I've never been very, I actually worked at gas stations or repair places when I was that age, 16, but I don't know a thing and yeah. uh, it's difficult. So good, good for her. And you're good that you get to, uh, Spent, that's, you know, that's nice time. Have you made some, are you planning on making any adjustments? Are you able to make any adjustments to perhaps uh, stop and smell the roses? I mean, it's one thing that I think is endemic with people in the restaurant industry. I didn't want to use the word pandemic there. Yeah. But that the, the you know, it's the balance of life equation is often out of whack. And I think now that we've all had a little chance to, see the other side and enjoy it. Um, is that something you're able to, you're, you're going to make some adjustments on going forward? Uh, as much as I can. I mean, the demands of, of the restaurant world are, are still, still there. I mean, it hasn't, certainly hasn't gotten any easier uh, to operate. Um, I will say that uh, having the, the, the curfew at, at 10 o'clock, if you will, has certainly allowed for uh, myself and, and everybody else in working in restaurants to be able to get home a little bit earlier and a little bit more predictable, you know, of a time schedule. So that's, that's been nice um, as far as that goes. Um, but making some adjustments, I just would like to try to try to maintain the ability to, you know, spend time, spend time with the family, you know, uh, having a 16 year old daughter, you know, we, we don't exactly like to do the same things, um, but uh, you know, try to make some memories while while they're still around. That's what you like. To yeah, do. there will be a point where she's not necessarily around as much. So, yeah. Well, that's good. Has have so let's talk a little bit about. Um, are you are you doing at ringside now? You're opened up and you're serving indoor and outdoor. Um, obviously, you have fewer tables available if you have to have social distancing but opening up the outdoors does that give you um about the same number of covers when you're open now and you're not i don't believe you're open as many days a week as you used to be yet no not yet we're we're only open uh five days a week we're closed on uh monday and tuesday which also helps for for scheduling and, and planning uh lives and whatnot um we actually have more tables uh, when you include the outside than we did prior to the shutdown, we had 35 tables uh, in, in the restaurant. So now we have 24 inside and 16 outside, although we decided early today to, to close down the, the tent outdoor because of the air quality and, and whatnot. So we didn't want people to have to sit outside in the smoke and, and dust and everything that's blowing on out there. But uh, it's been, it's been worked out pretty well. Uh, we're not anywhere near, you know, our, previous you know capacities or 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 volume but it's it's been in improving and and each week we've done a little bit more uh business than the previous week so we're we're fortunate in that regard we had been expecting maybe to see a spike and then a plateau and then a gradual decrease like so many others had reported when they opened but we've been fortunate enough knock on wood to have a uh a, a, a incremental you know increase in business over the past three weeks. I know three weeks isn't a lot to, to look back on, but it's, it's encouraging to say the least. 
Good. I think we're all looking forward to getting back into restaurants, but it's a, you know, I see Eater putting some surveys out. Are you asking people if they're ready to dine outside, inside, just do takeout? And from what I could see on my informal look through those responses is uh, most people are comfortable outside and doing takeout right now. And it's Mm going to take a little while, I think, for people to feel comfortable dining inside. What sort of um, precautions do can people look forward to when they dine at Ringside Inside? Oh, well, we've actually done quite a bit uh, indoors in the, in the building itself and also with the, the infrastructure of the building. You know, we had a, a nice uh, friend of the, 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 the business come in and do uh, some... Uh, plexiglass uh, spacing, you know, above all the booths. They did a marvelous job. They look like they've, they've been here just as long as the, the reclaimed wood uh, rafters. Um, and then also with our building, um, we, have, we have always had a, a, a Unity building system uh, management uh, controller there in the back. It's a big, it runs off an Apple Apple computer, and I never really understood what it did because it just kind of showed me the kilowatt hours of energy use. But it actually operates all of our our uh, all of our utilities, man- manages and monitors those. Uh, it also uh, manages the airflow within the building. Um, and just before we done any of the the changes that we had uh, had done before opening, you know, our air exchange in the building, uh, all of the air gets recirculated in the building every 1.2 hours. And then what we have done uh, with the, the filtration system and managing the airflow, as you can imagine, in a restaurant, we have to move a lot of air out, but you have to kind of maintain a positive balance. That way, when you open the door, you don't, you know, it's not sucking air into the building or blowing a bunch of air out of the kitchen and whatnot. Um, we have some MERV 16 uh, Nanomax filters that are, I sat through a whole long spiel uh, on them from the company that installed them. And uh, they have this zinc, uh, I'm not going to attempt the the other portion of that uh, word, uh, coating on them that uh, actually attacks the bacterial cell wall and the virus proteins of anything that contacts the filter. And then anything gets killed within uh, within two hours uh, that contacts the filter. And in addition to that, within the ductwork, we have uh, uh, ion generators, um, which also will, uh, you know, they they latch onto you know particles in the air, whether that be, you know, a- any dust or particulate matter, um, and then 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 that just gets uh, neutralized. Um, it's really kind of some really interesting technology uh, that's worked out quite well for us. We also have a little monitor uh, screen that's over by the fireplace that monitors the air quality in the building and versus outside. And consistently, I, I check it a few times a day, it's consistently got better air quality inside the restaurant than we do outside, especially on a day like today. But even on a nice clear day, we're, we're reading zero particulate matter or or very, very low um, and always uh, a good quality air uh, inside the building, which was which was quite nice. Um, a lot of our guests that have come in since we've opened in the last three weeks have made mention on, you know, open table and I think uh, to a lesser degree on Yelp, but on, on review sites uh, that they really appreciate, you know, what we've done to make them feel safe, you know, having 
employees all masked and gloved when, you know, clearing things from the table, trying to limit interactions tableside um, and limit the number of people that are contacting uh, the guests um, so that everybody feels a little bit safer uh, inside. And that's been very well received. That's quite an undertaking. And also it couldn't have been inexpensive. I don't know whether you're discussing with some of your chef friends uh, what's going on, but do you think a lot of restaurants are going to be able to go to that, uh, that extent to uh, take some precautions as they start opening up? Um, I, I, I certainly hope that they, they would be able to. I mean, if we hadn't have had this, this, this uh, system, this building system uh, module installed prior to this, it would have been a, you know, a, an insurmountable obstacle. Um, but fortunately, we already had the, the base infrastructure in place. So it was really just about uh, installing the ion generators and the filters and then just having a, a module to, to monitor the air quality in real time. Uh, the company that we hired to do it, we were actually kind of a part of their testing. They had been contacted by a, a nationwide uh, chain to see about doing it in in their restaurants to see how that would work out. And all of our testing, we took swabs and sent stuff off to the lab, was very, very encouraging. Uh, we also had someone from the governor's task force uh, for arts and entertainment whose job was to try to figure out how to get restaurants and theaters and all of that stuff opened up again. Um, and she was very, very encouraged by, by the findings. Um, in fact, at one point she said to me, you know, we don't even have to wear masks in here. The, the air is so clean, um, which is, is, you know, we still of course wear them, but uh, it was very encouraging to hear that kind of, that kind of comment coming from someone who was so close to the, uh, the, what, we were, what we were working on in here. I think you just want to at least wear them for example's sake. Yeah, matter. definitely. If anybody's just saying, oh, we don't need them, that's a false sense of security. And it also doesn't. No, we, we still require them. You know, we're, we're abiding by all the, all the, all the, the guidelines uh, in the building. And we ask everybody to, to wear a mask when they arrive and when they're not seated at their table um, and they're not eating or when any member of the staff comes up to have an interaction, you know, for example, like when they come to take the orders or discuss any kind of prolonged conversation, but we realized it was very, you know, cumbersome to have people, you know, fiddling with a mask to get it on when food was being dropped. And it, it's, we've, it's, it's evolved as we've, we've gone through things. We started out, you know, very, very cautious, you know, so much so that we didn't really look at the practicality of it. Um, so we've kind of moved to, you know, just make sure you have it on when we're, when we're speaking and, as we said, with the with the air being changed out every every 1.2 hours and and the the, the ion generator in the air, um, it really helps neutralize any potential uh, threats, you know, from from anybody. Fantastic, hey Chris. Let's pause a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat again: Ringside Steakhouse. That's right. 75 years. The Peterson family has owned it. I wonder if we're going on. No, it's 75. 75 plus plus one, I think maybe. Right, but the 75th year was a challenging one for Ringside as well as other restaurants. And, you know, they've been doing their kits, their steak sales uh, since uh, April or May. And now, in the middle of August, they're opening their doors and they're taking reservations for indoor and outdoor dining. They've got a tent set up outside. So I am really happy that uh, tomorrow night, Friday, 
we're going to celebrate the op- the reopening of Ringside Steakhouse and the reopening of dining out. It's so nice to be able to do that again. Yeah, and, and you pointed out making those reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or using the uh, Open Table app, but that's the only way you can do it. You used to be able to maybe show up and be able to get into the bar or possibly get a, a table if you were lucky, like on a weeknight, but now you need to do a reservation. They have to be, they have to figure out their seating plan. So make a reservation. And then there's another thing that's exciting. We've been hearing a lot uh, about what's going on in Portland and some of it hasn't been that good, but this is great news and opening of a new place, which is a partnership between the Peterson family of Ringside and also our friend Micah Camden of Blue Star Donuts fame, fame and Little Big Burger fame, and of course, one of my favorites, uh, Super Deluxe. He's opening in the former Boxer Ramen space on East Burnside, I think it's 26th, um, is uh, Rock Paper Fish. This is this speaks to me, New England style fish and chips with a Northwest uh, personality too. So uh, Micah, when he does something, um, you know it's going to be good, and for the Peterson family to be involved, they're not putting their name on just anything. So this would be something really cool to check out. That, unlike Ringside, now is takeout only for a while until things we get out of this COVID situation. That's right. So don't forget, make those reservations for both indoor and outdoor for Ringside Steakhouse at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And check out Rock Paper Fish as well. That should be fun for you. So what? Uh, so you were closed for quite a while, and then Ringside made headlines with what was it a mile? <laughs> what was it a mile long? Oh yeah, that was quite a day. It, well, I didn't see the end of it. I I saw it start to build. I was I, I met the truck here at seven o'clock in the morning, and I think we were scheduled to start at uh, ten. And there was already so for, some- the uninitiated, for the uninitiated. You held a sale. Obviously, you had a lot of meat ready to go and you had nobody to serve or sell it to so you had a uh, drive a, a, a parking lot sale of your meat the first one of which went berserk yes i mean you know they say no no publicity is bad publicity we certainly got uh, some coverage on that um it was it it uh, uh, to all of our neighbors in the north in the northwest side of the city, apologies. apologies. Um, <laughs> it certainly snarled traffic on a on a rainy on a rainy day in April, um, but uh, it was the first opportunity to get uh, you know dry aged steaks uh, from Ringside that had ever been uh, you know made available. And you know we I've done this before, and we've we've done this in a conversations amongst ourselves. You know we we end up underestimating the public's reaction to to the ringside and, and the brand and what that means you know and we thought we had enough steak to cover you know the weekend both sales saturday and sunday um in addition to snarling all the traffic you know we you know sold out of uh, about 500 cases of product in in just over three hours and we still were committed for for a sunday sale so after the police left and they'd you know, to finish directing traffic and driving down Burnside and telling them, you know, over the loudspeaker that, you know, ringside is out of meat. <laughs> um, we, we, we spent a few hours uh, that afternoon trying to regroup and think of a, a way we could 
honor our commitment for Sunday, come up with some more product and not uh, ruin uh, downtown and, and the bus schedule and everything that uh, inadvertently happened that uh, infamous, uh, we'll call it Black Saturday. And so, but you learned, you know, after one day, now you learned to set up actual pick, to re, and, and I've seen a lot of restaurants do this now, not necessarily for picking up cases of, of product, but of, um, you know, for prepared kits, but you learned to set up it, set it up so that there were specific designated times that people could come by to mitigate that traffic problem. And yeah. uh, just interesting how much there was to learn about new things there, over a there, few there has been for sure yeah we've uh we we spent a, a bit of time you know getting getting a website together that will allow for sales it wasn't without its glitches you know but uh, overall it went uh, very very well and then after we finished that sale on sunday we transitioned into doing uh weekly you know grill kits that people would you know, you got a three-course meal with all the sides fully prepared. You just had to reheat and, and serve, and then you could cook your steak to, you know, whatever doneness you preferred. And uh, that was, you know, tremendously successful for the next few weeks. And then, you know, as you mentioned, there got to be a lot more restaurants that started to uh, participate in that kind of thing, and the other counties around us opened up, incre increasing some more competition in the field, which is always welcome and I'm so happy to, to have other restaurants that were able to, to reopen and make a go of it and, and try to do some business um, while there's so, so many out there that are still still struggling you know to to make it work um, it's been it's been really nice and uh, we've been really blessed to to be able to, to keep that going and, and and give people the ringside experience you know at home yeah it's over a 75-year run with experience, and so it's, it was such a tragedy to shut it down. But you have, obviously, you didn't start at ringside 75 years ago. No, um, no, I'm not quite that old yet. <laughs> so where else, uh, where else were you? I know you were at Fish House when I was really enjoying that being open a few years ago. But aside from Ringside Hospitality Group, uh, where did you uh, cut your chops and how did you get started in the business? Uh, let's see, I actually, I went to school here in Portland back in 99 at the Western Culinary Institute. Um, and then after I graduated from there, I had, I had been in the, the U.S. Navy prior to, to getting uh, into the culinary field. I was a cook on, the, on an aircraft carrier. And I was in Japan, so when I finished up school, I had an opportunity to go and do my, my internship uh, in Japan. Uh, I started working at the Yokohama Bay Sheraton, um, and uh, I met my, my wife, who is Japanese, um, worked, worked there for a few years, and then I went to and opened up the uh, Four Seasons uh, Hotel at Marinochi the, at Tokyo Station. I worked there for a few years. Uh, went over to New York and worked for Chef Marco Canora at uh, his uh, Midtown restaurant in Sieme. Uh, doesn't exist anymore, but he still has hearth and I think his bone broth uh, empire is going quite well. Um, went back to Japan, uh, worked at the, uh, what was it? The Shangri-La Hotel on the other side of Tokyo Station. And then I moved to San Francisco and started working at... Uh, at Flower and Water, and 
and my wife and daughter came over and then I moved to over to uh, Park Tavern that was in North Beach in San Francisco and uh, about 2015 uh, was put in touch with the the Petersons and moved up here to Oregon to uh, to to take the helm at uh, the Ringside Fish House um, and then uh, worked there until it until we you know made the decision to close that restaurant down and after a summer of uh, consulting work down in Lake Oswego, I uh, found found myself back uh, with the ringside, and uh, it's been it's been a great experience. I really enjoy the the company and the family are really great people. I couldn't speak highly enough of them. Well, so you've been a lot of places, from hotels to you know, flower and water is certainly one that most people have heard of. What makes ringside stand out to you as? Uh, uh, that's make that's different than the other places that you've worked that perhaps makes you enjoy it or just something that you note that's a little different that they do at ringside. Um, yeah. What the, one of the things that I really, it's always kind of, uh, I've always appreciated, you know, and this comes from my spending a, a bit of time in, in luxury five-star hotels is just the the service and the way and the way they treat people and I know a lot of restaurants like to say you know well you know we we always take care of the guests and and everybody's like family um, that isn't always the case um, and what what I really appreciate about uh, about the ringside is that it seems to be very genuine and and we and, and we do really uh, appreciate our guests and there's people that have been coming here for for you know generations we'll have two, three, four generations at one table at times. And, and if you've lived in Portland long enough, you've got a ringside story, you know, you maybe came here for a graduation or a wedding, you know, and it's just a great, it's a great place, a real old school kind of feel. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing like it uh, anywhere else in town. And, and there's very few uh, restaurants like it uh, in, in the United States that I've seen um, that, you know, that classic uh, American steakhouse that, that thrives. It's a it's a it's a tough business uh, in the steakhouse to 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 make it for a long time. Um, and I think just the outlook that that we've taken about you know treating people right and making them feel welcome, and really you know owning that has has, has been part of the success and what's kept uh, kept this business going for over seventy five years now. I would think you know as you as you alluded to. A lot of places talk about great service, um, but it's really challenging. I mean, certainly the people who own a restaurant can understand how important that is and understand how to implement that. But you're, you know, you're largely dependent on staff to carry through with that. And so one of the things that I think anyone can notice about Ringside coming in is that, um, you know, staff has been there for a while. And generally speaking, there's pretty low turnover. And so what that means is you've got people with a lot of experience that you don't have to retrain and, um, and rely upon to get things right. So I'm sure, you know, as, as Craig would say or anybody would say, you can't get things right 100% of the time. But if you get them right most of the time uh, or yeah. the vast majority of the time, that's something that a lot of restaurants just can't do, whether it's in Portland or elsewhere. So 
No, it's certainly certainly the the low turnover rate. It certainly helps. You know, you you don't have to train people that have been here, you know, for for a long time and know and know the game and they know the they know the guests. Um, but also, you know, people stay in a in a place where they feel they feel valued and they feel um, like they like they matter. And that's one thing that that they the the ringside and the, and the Peterson family really really do well, in my opinion, is is we involve the staff. They're they're empowered to make decisions, you know, table side and 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 do what do what's right, you know, for the guests. It doesn't have to be run past a manager or, you know, they don't know. It's just, no, do, do what, do what they want, get, get, make them happy and give them the, give them the experience. And, and then we can, we can talk about, uh, you know, how, how to make that part of the normal, normal protocol. If it's something that's, you know, out, out of the way or, or, you know, obscure, um, it just, you just have to treat your people right. And, and, and the rest takes care of itself. I mean, it's no, it's no secret. It's just, it's just, it's harder to do than, than a slogan. Right. Well, I've, you know, I used to be in the advertising business and I suppose I still am in a way, but I had clients who would want to say great service, family owned and operated, all the things that Ringside actually has. And I would say, you know, those in those words are empty. Mm -hmm. um, people don't hear them. Uh, because everybody says them and they don't really follow through with it. So, yeah, it's uh, you have a little to overcome with that because it's really walking the walk and not talking the talk. And you've got it enough is. customers where you can prove that. Which is it good. is. You know, there's the old saying, you know, people, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And fortunately, we... We have staff that that does both. They're very well educated. They know they know all about the product, the wine, the food, and they genuinely, you know, we genuinely care for the people that come in here because they've been coming here for for whether it's their first time or their hundredth time. You know, we make them feel like you know they're 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 family, and that we're here. You know, they're in our home, and we want to treat them as such. I think it's also an advantage <laughs> that when people walk in the door, they can't see very well. <laughs> it is a little dark in here, but you know that—it's the transition from the light to the dark. <laughs> Not that it's just dark, but on a bright day, when you walk in those doors, you're okay. Yeah. Take care of me. I need to be taken care of. I yeah, can't yeah. Can you can you walk me to my table? Because I can't <laughs> I can't see anything. Maybe we should hand out eye patches to people outside so they can have one good eye for the, yeah, for the, dark, or, the darkness. Yeah. Or have the valet parking people put yeah put uh, blindfolds on people and walk them to the door so they have time to adjust. Yeah, that might that might be something to bring up at the next meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to take credit for that. So. <laughs> I got, I have other ideas, but not that. So um, I guess we may as well hear it from the, uh, the chef's mouth. Um, what is, if you were, if you were coming as a couple, mm -hmm. what would you, and, and someone wanted to do amakase at ringside, what would you suggest that people order? I think that would be something people might be interested in hearing what the chef suggests. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy, and I, I can I can get some food down. Um, you're not going to have enough of an appetite to get through all of the 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 good things in 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 one visit. 
you know, if you come in, it's your first time and maybe you're from out of town and you're just going to, you're just going to get one chance to, to come in. You know, I, I have to say you, you gotta, you gotta have some onion rings, even if it's just a, a quarter order, we don't have it on the menu, but if you ask your server, we can do smaller orders of those. Um, we have a really fantastic, uh, beef carpaccio on right now, as well as a, a tuna poke, uh, that are, that are light and, uh, you know, kind of easier way into, uh, the steak world. Um, you know, our wedge salad is, is absolutely fabulous. And the house dressing, you know, is, it, it makes, it makes the salad. Um, it's, it's old school and it's classic, but it's, it's classic for a reason. Um, and then as far as steak, I'm more of a ribeye guy, uh, mm-hmm. for steak. So I would definitely go with the, the 20 ounce dry aged bone in that is, mm-hmm. that's, that's never going to disappoint. Um, you know, get it with the, the baked potato with all the fixings and if or you, lobster mashed. But then once I find that you venture into the lobster mashed, then you're always going to get to that area where two people are going to be really full and you can't order a lot of other things. Correct? Yeah, that is true. I mean, that's what I said. You, you kind of have to come multiple times to get all the good stuff there is to have over here because, you know, it, I mean, I, I've, I've tried to do a wedge salad and, a, and the steak and potato and I just can't, I can't get through it. And like I said, I'm, I'm not a small man. Um, so you really kind of have to come more than once to, to, to really get the, the full experience. And then, well, the other option that I used to take advantage of a lot is um, happy hour because you yeah. got a great happy hour there. And there you can order a lot of different things and share it with somebody and get through it. So yeah, you sure can. Yeah. And it's, and it's very, very reasonably priced uh, at some of the best deals uh, in town. I think we won uh, one best, ha- best happy hour from Willamette weekly last year and, and the year before. So is happy hour on right now at this, uh, we're on the September 9th. So the second week of September. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have the bar open as a bar. So there's only a couple of tables uh, and that kind of eliminates our ability to do, uh, do the happy hour currently. But as soon as we can get back to, to opening uh, more fully, uh, I, I'm certain that we're going to bring it back. Um, it's, it's a Portland staple and it's not something that we're going to allow to, to go uh, without. So um, I have to ask you, we're at the fish house and obviously in Japan, you must've worked with a lot of fish. What do you enjoy cooking more fish or steak? Um, I, I like fish um, for its uh, its nuance, and there seems to be it, it because it's such a neutral a neutral protein. There's so much more that I think you can you can do and pair with it. You know, steak at least in the United States is really just kind of it's steak and potatoes, right? I mean, that's what everybody wants. That's what that's what people crave. Um, and you know, you you can't manipulate uh, a steak the way you can ma- manipulate fish i mean nobody would want to eat a beef uh, mousseline but they'll do it you know with with seafood so i i prefer to cook uh seafood it's more of a it's more interesting and more of a challenge for me but you know since coming over here to the steakhouse i i really have noticed uh you know what we do and even the beef that we source and how we treat it is so much different than what you'll find at a lot of other restaurants you know our beef is all is aged for a minimum of of 30 days. And that's just not what you find 
Uh, it's certainly not what you find at, at, at the grocery store. It's not what you find at most restaurants because any restaurant that's doing that is going to mention it. I mean, most beef, you know, comes in. If you, if, if, if the public wanted to, to wanted to find out, they could just go to a, a, like a cash and carry and look and see when the pack date is on, on, on some of the, the, the beef in cases. And, you know, you'll see stuff that was packed uh, a week ago. Um, and our stuff is, has been aging for at least a month before we even bring it into the restaurant. You know, we try to keep it between, you know, 30 and 60, 60 day window there. And that just allows it to be that much more tender and more flavorful. Even if you're not going into the dry age, you're just getting the wet aged. It, it will take on that same kind of, you know, wonderful mushroomy and, uh, and kind of, you know, really deep beef, uh, characteristics that, people really appreciate in, in a good steak. And you're just not going to find that out, out, out there at a, at a lot of other places. I just saw one uh, on, I don't know if you've seen it on chef's table and I'm trying to look it up as we speak, but um, a gentleman uh, has a restaurant where he only cooks on the open fire in Australia. And I think they're doing yeah. 200 plus aged steak there. Have, have you ever had that? Um, I, I have had some pretty, pretty well aged, uh, uh, steaks, not, not 200 days. That's, that's kind of pushing that you get to, you get to have some blue cheese. I, I have actually have watched the episode you're talking about. It's really, really interesting. And, you know, the fact that he, you know, just, he uses a lot of, uh, you know, off cuts and kind of does the whole, whole, whole beef animal butchery, uh, part is, is quite interesting. Um, I think the oldest, I say oldest, oldest steak that I've eaten is probably around 90 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, we did some for our, uh, our, uh, our dinner, uh, for our 75th anniversary dinner series. It was a 90 day, uh, dry aged, uh, New York. And that was, that was pretty, pretty nice. You know, um, I don't know if I'd want to go much further than that. It starts to become, you know, a, a, a whole different kind of experience. Uh, when you get mm-hmm. get beyond that, I'm sorry I missed that 75th anniversary dinner. I would have liked to have oh. enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, it was. We had a we had a, like four or five of them. The the one I had that w- the most fun with was the uh, was the the throwback menu to look through the menus over the years and kind of uh, kind of pull from that. You know, some of it was like, wow, how do I do how do I do that and make people want to come in and eat it. <laughs> so it was kind of you know changing changing some of the things and 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 making it a little bit more contemporary you know we had like liver and onions but it was you know foie gras with a, a small little shallot onion ring and some some compote and whatnot um so we kind of played with it a little bit that way but it was a lot of fun scotch dinner and champagne yeah dinner. I, and i it's fun to look at the old menus just look at the prices it's pretty cool. no yeah no i i the the one that we have up on the wall that the uh Magic Johnson signed on our on our basketball player wall, and you look at the menu and you're like, "What? Twenty five dollar steak? When's that coming back?" Well, <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. I don't know. Craig could tell us, I guess. But when you go back seventy five, you know, the seventy one years ago, what a steak mm-hmm. had to be three dollars or four. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't all, all that. It wasn't so many steaks. I think back in the day, it was. A little bit, uh, it, we, we know, obviously we, we served, we served steaks, but there was a lot of other stuff on the menu, you know, you know, they did f- f- halibut only on Fridays and, you know, oyster stew, I think was a big one for a while. 
you know, that when it eventually came off the menu, I think there was, you know, many uproar amongst the, the regulars about that. But it's, uh, it's really interesting to go upstairs and, uh, and take a look through the archives of the old menus and, and things, you know. I got to do that when Genoa, we did a little event at Genoa and we went back like 30 or 40 years. That was, that was fun, but you don't have, there aren't many restaurants in Portland that have the ability to go back that far. That's what, no. that's what kind of makes it interesting is things have changed so much in the last 20 years, 30, you can go to any number, but there wasn't, there aren't many around now that were around 75 years ago. So. No, not very many. So what do you, um, what is it that, uh, I know you enjoy the outdoors a lot, and I don't just mean walking outside the restaurant and breathing the smoky air, <laughs> but, but uh, you enjoy, uh, you enjoy some outdoors, what, what do you like to do when, when you do have spare time? Um, well, I try to get out and go fishing as much as I can. Um, I, I, I like chasing steelhead in the winter, and then all summer long, I'll, I'll go fly fishing. Um, I, I'll definitely be on the Deschutes for the, the stonefly and salmonfly hatch at the end of, of May w without fail for the past four years. Um, since kind of getting into it when I moved up here, you know, um, fishing is uh, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of my church. It's where I can go and relax and think about nothing or everything and everything in between and just kind of you know, stand there in the water and, and, uh, you know, watch my, watch my, my fly or my spinner and, and hope something bites it. And, and then, you know, then the, then the excitement starts, but it's really relaxing. Um, it's nice to get out and do it. Um, uh, I'll do, go ride motorcycles a little bit, you know, go on some, on some tours and I set my bike up so I can go camping and on it. And I've put a, carrier to keep my fly rod on it so I can hop on the motorcycle and head out anywhere for a weekend if I want to. Uh, I've tried to get the wife and daughter to come along, but after one, one trip in an RV uh, for, uh, uh, it was like we were at a horse camp essentially and did horseback riding, which my wife is not a fan of, of horses. Um, <laughs> Uh, she has no desire to go go camping or, or anything like that, so I kind of end up doing these trips solo or with with friends. Uh, but uh, yeah, fishing is a lot of fun and something I really enjoy. Well, speaking of getting out there with friends, I just uh, I wanted to bring up a special opportunity that a lot of people have that we have next year, next July fourth, uh, Ringside and you. That specifically means you and Portland Food Adventures. We're hooking up with Canyon Outfitters out on the Snake River for a um, four-day excursion. Where you're, and by the way, fishing is a possibility. Anybody wants to go fishing, we can do it. But a raft trip uh, down the Snake River um, yeah. with you, um, starting off in Halfway, Oregon, and then ending on Wednesday, I believe this. That ends on the 8th, but the night of the 7th, you're going to be cooking some ringside steaks out on the river for the people who come with us. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I will certainly be bringing some of those 20-ounce uh, dry-aged ribeyes. Um, I was trying to think of how I could uh, do onion rings uh, riverside, but I don't think I, they'd let me take a fryer. 
on the uh, <laughs> on the raft, and it might not do well, so well. Our but. friends Lynette and George may be able to figure that out because yeah, we could get a this. get a cast iron pot or something, get it going. Yeah, they've been doing this for thirty years, and I actually think it'd be fun to have onion rings. Uh, prepared in a way that you're not used to, that you have to adapt to on a river. So yeah, yeah. Well, we'll definitely have we'll definitely have have a a, a bunch of great meals. It, it it's going to be a wonderful trip. Um, and yeah, like say you know rafting the Snake River. It's down in those canyons. It's just gorgeous. You know you can you can forget about everything that's going on in the world and all your troubles and just just float downstream. It's a real nice pace and. It's also, it happens to be a week where they're not allowing any uh, motorboats on the river. They alternate every week, as I understand it. And this, our week is a week that we're, no one's going to be cruising by us on a motorboat. We will have a jet boat take us back to our launch spot uh, and, then, uh, and then drive to halfway from there. But um, it's going to be, I'm looking forward to it. I went out to halfway a few months ago and just happened upon... Um, Lynette and George Hauptman out there um, at Canyon Outfitters and honestly it wasn't my objective but then we started talking about it they had done trips to Australia and they've been on the Snake River for 30 years and they like yeah. to provide kind of a luxury experience so the conversation ensued you know I do Portland food adventures with trips going to Europe we're still doing those but I'd like to I thought diversifying somewhere where no one had to deal with an airplane would be good yeah enough. yeah definitely I don't think anybody wants to hop on a on a plane right now unless they absolutely have to and even then I don't think you could get me and on on a plane right now so it's definitely going to be a a really great trip I looked up uh, about the outfitters and they they look like a real professional bunch and as you say they've been doing it for 30 years um some of the some of the food photos and and things that they put on Riverside is is amazing. You would you would never imagine that you you're you're down in the canyon and been floating floating for a couple of days and and that's what you get to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's uh, quite amazing. They know what they're doing, and then we're gonna kick it off uh, on the fourth um, on their terrace at their uh, the place where they live that also happens to have an Airbnb, but they're putting us up uh, at a lodge in town at halfway as part of the ticket price, which is over and above that which they do for their normal trips that they sell themselves. They're usually selling to groups that have been coming back to them for 30 years. Yeah. So I hope to become a group that comes back to them. I don't think 30 years is going to take me out to the point where I'm not going to be able to be on a river, but um, at least for a good period of time, I'd like to keep doing these. And uh, our, our, if not our, our, our first, if not one of our first will be with you next year, July 4th to 8th. So um, I'll have some information on Portland Food Adventures site, but there will be a direct uh, link at canyonoutfitters.com and they're making all the arrangements. So anybody that's interested certainly can call me um, at 503-314-4221 or just call them. And if you're interested in going, they can tell you a lot about it and sign people up and help you with all the uh, necessaries. So um, I'm excited you're doing it. I got um, a chance to, what did we have, chicken this summer? We got everything but what we've been, I mean, that which we have not been discussing. We had a little chicken dinner this yeah. summer. So I look forward to uh, completing a few more with you next year. And I certainly 
have uh, enjoyed your food. Before we go, I just want to know, do I detect a little Canadian in you? Or? Oh, you, the, the out and about comes out a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah, I, I was actually born in Canada in, uh, in, in Kingston, Ontario, uh, which is around the Thousand Islands there. I guess the closest geographical spot for most Americans to kind of place me would be uh, around the Buffalo area, but on the other side of the river. Um, and then uh, I lived in Edmonton until I was nine and uh, moved, moved, to, moved to California and grew up in, in Carpinteria, uh, you know, as a typical, you know, Southern California kid spending all summer at the beach and, and whatnot. Oh, fantastic. So I lived in New England growing up many years, and it wasn't until, I don't know, my late 20s or 30s that I even discovered the Thousand Islands and or had heard about them. It's absolutely gorgeous up there. What a, what a sleeper spot. You don't hear people talking about it too much. No, no, it's really, it's really a nice part of the, part of the world. Uh, you know, it's just a bunch of small islands in the on the St. Lawrence River, some of them are privately owned and they've got little cottages and, and little mini castles on it. It's really, really interesting. And when I went on a, the ferry tour up there as an adult, they, they told me that's where Thousand Island dressing came from. So I was like, hmm, okay, didn't know that. That, make, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> yeah. One of the few things on the planet, one of the things I could lay claim to uh, having the ability to have invented was Thousand <laughs> Island dressing. Yeah. So, um, so do you have any, do you still have Canadian citizenship? Um, I, I will always be Canadian. I actually just got my U S citizenship, uh, last year after delaying it for so long. Cause you know, I didn't really feel like, uh, I needed to get it because I, the only downside was I, I couldn't vote and I didn't have to do jury duty. So I kind of figured it was a wash, uh, <laughs> I ask that because if all hell breaks loose, you can, you have the option to go back to Canada. Yeah, I can go to Canada. Um, I can go back to Japan because my wife's Japanese and will always, always be so. And with the Canadian passport, it's pretty easy to get, uh, get into any of the Commonwealth countries. Um, if I didn't have to pick up and live out of a suitcase again, which I've already done twice in my life, I would put Australia on the list. But I'm probably not gonna to to want to do anything like that. And uh, well, just the option to get out of here, you know. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is a nice thought to have. You know, I, I've yeah, had I plenty of conversations about, about people who are who are jealous of the fact that you know I could uh, I could just leave if I wanted to. But yeah, I I have to tell you, I hope we don't have to. I mean. Uh, but just lately, it's the first time I've ever thought about. It. Is there anywhere else I can go? I just. So I, I know I'm not the only one thinking about it. People joke about it, but yeah, no, it's it's certainly interesting times uh, that we're that we're in, you know, in this country. And, uh, well, let's hope that in after November you've got full seating, everything's back to normal. Do you are you gonna are do you probably don't know? Are you gonna leave those plexiglass? uh fixtures up between the booths afterwards is that something you want to keep or just store them until the next time oh god i hope we never have to use them again but i mean like i said they're they, they the the craftsman did such a wonderful job doing it you, you'd never if you walked in you'd never think it was an afterthought you know it just it looks like it's been here the whole time it looks like it belongs it the wood stain to match the the rest of the wood it really really did a, a fantastic job on it um 
I don't, I don't well, know. My that guess we'll, is they'll stay. Down. So after, yeah. after November, we can um, all celebrate loving being U.S. citizens. Yeah. And uh, not you, but uh, well, well, you I, can. You just, I can. I, I just, I just yes, have options. Yes, you can. In and case, we'll, in case we'll it gets really bad. <laughs> well, that's, that's my point. And I don't like to get political on this show, but we're getting close to an election. You know, a few years ago, my Portland Food Adventures, we had um, put together an event with Scott Dolich at Park Kitchen. Yeah. And um, that was scheduled for November 9th, 2016. Mm. And the idea was we'd all be able to celebrate. And boy, that was an interesting night. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot of people remember where they were on election night 2016. Yeah, yeah. regardless regardless of which side you voted for, I think you remember that night for sure. Exactly, and I think the same thing is going to happen on November 3rd too. So uh, I don't want to go into that. I just I was curious about your Canadian citizenship because I've actually had discussions with friends of mine that are Canadian citizens on how to how to work this if need be yeah sort of jokingly but it's not completely joking it really isn't it's kind of yeah i mean if it wasn't so damn cold up there i would i would go but there's only there's only really one one part of the country i'd want to really go to and that would be you know around uh you know vancouver or victoria island but it's 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 so it's it's much wetter than portland and and i and i have a I, I enjoy the winters here enough because it means I've got water in the rivers, which means I got fish. But if I wasn't, uh, you know, getting out and standing in freezing cold water and, and fishing, I, I don't know that I would appreciate all the rain, you know. Well, yeah, but compared to what you grew up with in, in that part of upstate New York, oh, my God. Yeah. It's nothing. It's no, nothing. No, I remember go, being a kid and, you know, going to school uh, and it being minus 40 outside and school right. would be open and you'd have to wrap up like you know the the kid from uh, the christmas story just to get outside you know? did you i don't mean to um i don't mean to insult you at all but i'm one who now believes age is you know age means wisdom so mm -hmm. so so aging someone were, did you happen to be up in that area where well, you would have been there at some point in 1977 in uh, where where in upstate New York, seventy or, or on the other side of the border. Um, I was. I was just born in seventy-seven. So. Okay. Well, then you wouldn't remember. I spent the worst winter in the history of Syracuse, New York, in Syracuse at the time. I think there's been one worse since, but oh. and it was negative eighty. It was negative Ooh. eighty with the hill and and snowing for four months straight. It was just horrible. So yeah, that's so why my parents left. <laughs> Pardon me. That's why my parents left. They they got tired of you know snow on the ground nine months out of the year and going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark in the winter. It's not and deep snow. So uh, yeah. yeah, no, Portland is a is a treat when everything kind of passes. We've got a lot going on in Portland, and maybe we can get back to some degree of normalcy with um, with an open eye and open heart and open mind towards some things that we learned during this whole period. Uh, over the last few months in, in Portland and beyond. So yeah. um, I'll look forward. Well, I came in a couple of weeks ago and ate outside there. It was fantastic. So I thank you for the uh, delicious experience in all of them. And, uh, and I'll thank you, um, as I mentioned it up front in the intro, but thank you so much for 
ringside support of this podcast and in turn supporting the whole Portland restaurant industry so we can get these stories out there uh, yes. over the past six over the past few years so yeah thank you thank thanks. you to you for 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 highlighting these stories and and the and the industry and all the things that you know make this industry great and and some of the things that you know we, we can do better right uh, I think there's a uh, there's quite a bit of learning that's going on, but I'll look forward to seeing you in the meantime, and especially next July 4th to 8th on the Snake River. I think that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be a great trip, a, a chance of a lifetime, I think. When else are you going to be able to go and, and float a river and, and, and get uh, you know steaks cooked by, by the ringside? Uh, it's going to be wonderful. We've got... Uh, and with you. So, I mean, maybe someone can actually pick up a fishing rod with you and do yeah. what they enjoy together so. yeah there might there might be some some trout on the menu for sure right well i know they they're offering fishing so that's going to be fun so all right man i really appreciate you carving that was a pun that was not meant to be a pun but it was a pun really appreciate you carving <laughs> an hour out of your day to uh spend some time with us today and your wi-fi connection is fantastic so thank you well, great. I, I was, it was my pleasure, and I, I, I really uh, enjoyed the conversation. Well, good. Well, I hope others do, too, and I'm sure they will. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right